You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Monster House presents... Monster Talk's a proud member of the Airwave Media Podcast Network, home of such shows as Subtext, The Projection Booth, and The Daily Meditation Podcast. If you'd like to advertise on this show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. At Monster Talk, we're always looking into mysteries, but there's one mystery which only you can provide the answer for. Who are you? Airwave Media is doing a network-wide audience survey, and we would love to learn more about you, our listeners, the people who make this show possible with your support and attention. Just go to surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash airwave, all one word. So that's surveymonkey.com forward slash r, like the letter r, forward slash airwave. But don't worry, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Select Monster Talk from the drop-down list of shows and then fill out the simple questions to tell us more about who you are. We hope to hear from you. That's surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash airway. Thanks. It's your first look inside the house known as the Portal to Hell, a place where demons supposedly wrought havoc with a helpless family in horror straight out of The Exorcist. This man just bought the notorious house in Gary, Indiana for the bargain basement price of $35,000. What compelled you to buy this house? I have a passion for investigating claims of paranormal. Zach Bagans is the host of the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures. We spoke inside the front porch, the precise spot where a terrorized mom claims that horseflies mysteriously swarmed in the dead of winter, as they did in the Amityville Horror. Do you believe that house is possessed by demons? I do. I feel that uh, there's something very bad going on in that house. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster.
Monster Talk. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. In the introduction to this episode, you'd heard an excerpt from Inside Edition. In that clip, they're discussing the Gary, Indiana site commonly called the Demon House. In this episode, we're going to look at the claims around this house and talk about the plausibility of the many weird and mysterious stories associated with the property and its former occupants. We'll also be tackling the Zach Bagans documentary about this topic in a future installment of our YouTube series, Debased on a True Story. Now, this episode runs a little bit longer than normal, so let's just hop right into it. Monster Talk. Okay, welcome to Monster Talk. This is exciting. I like it when we do our own research. Even when we're not the guests, we usually do a lot of pre-show research. But th this is such an interesting topic. Uh, Karen, what are we talking about tonight? Well, we are talking about the Demon House in Gary, Indiana. It goes by many different names. Also, the Ammons Haunting and the 200 Demons House and the Portal to Hell. Nice. Portal to Hell. <laughs> So not not just the demon house, but uh, yeah, I mean, this, I agree with you about our research. I think we always uncover things that other people haven't found. I think we dig a little bit deeper than, than most. And uh, I think there's just lots of interesting things at play with this particular story. And we will also be talking about the same topic uh, from a different perspective with the next episode of Debased on a True Story, talking about uh, the demon house documentary. That's a word. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that the right term for it? A drama? Yeah. Drama? Mockumentary. Yeah, that'll be Speaking fun. Speaking of which, Matt's joining us. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> or or it could be a demon as well. Since what? we've opened up this portal. Can we get that voice to demonstrate itself again? We got Matt Baxter in the house. <laughs> in the demon house. <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> uh, so... Yes, the, the Demon House in Gary, Indiana. So this hit the news back in 2012, but then it kind of came back again in 2014 and then 2016. One thing, I like the way you stated that, Karen, when you said that it goes by many names. Mm -hmm. This story, it's, uh, yeah, it's been around for, for quite some time, uh, but it just hasn't quite died. And there are lots of different versions and interpretations of it. hasn't hasn't quite died. Nothing there apparently has quite died. <laughs> so the story goes that Latoya Ammons and her family, which included three kids, seven, nine, and eleven at the time, also her mother Rosa Campbell, they moved into a house. And I guess it doesn't matter. I can give the address here. I mean, I'm usually loath to hand out the the address of a place. To docks. Well, to dox them and so that legend well, and trippers. To, you and, don't want to send legend trippers to a private residence. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess that's further to the end of the story, too, where you were about to go. <laughs> there. There's not, not much to see there anymore. So <laughs> the anyway, this is on Carolina Street in Gary, Indiana. And so the story goes back to November 2011 when the family moved into this little, I mean, it looks like a kind of shotgun it's a small yeah, house. Yeah, it, it was a rental, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, yeah, so a rental. Um, and so they, they moved into this place, and within a week, they began to experience very strange activity. So it started with swarms of flies in the kind of porch area, which to me is very reminiscent immediately of Amityville. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think of that. 
I mean, that and whole that Rod Steiger scene is so, you know, it's iconic uh, of him it, it, in the, was it the sewing room being surrounded by flies? Mm-hmm. In yes, the winter. Yeah, exactly. And this was during the winter as well, because yeah. this is going back to November. And so they started to experience other activity as well, namely footsteps and footsteps in the basement. So I think it's just a one level house, but they do have a kind of basement downstairs. They must have something well. downstairs because th- that figures into the story later. So, I, yeah, I'm not sure how that worked. Mm. We does, will know yeah. by, by the time we talk next of this, we'll have seen the film and I'm sure we'll know much more about the interior of the house. Yes, uh, indeed. So with the activity, here are some of the claims. Uh, they don't only include these these claims, but uh, a lot more than even this, but possession. So this was supposed to be demonic possession. But in particular, one of the kids was walking backwards up the walls. That's the famous story that we keep hearing about. Yeah, that definitely hit the news. That was that must have been in the 2014 news cycle, I think. I think so. And it was supposedly witnessed and documented by a number of authorities, people in authority, police officers, medical staff, child protection services officers. So there were a lot of people who were attesting that they had seen some of this phenomena and that they endorsed that these things had actually happened. So some of the other activity includes levitation. And that makes me think of the Enfield poltergeist. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So kids, the kids were choking and being thrown across the room. And at one point, I think that the police claimed that they'd seen that happen as well. Uh, One of the kids, his eyes were rolling back into his head and the whites of his eyes were visible and he was growling and he was uttering, it's time to die. I'm going to kill you. So it's exactly what you want to hear from your your seven-year-old. You know, I heard that from my seven-year-old earlier today. Yeah. (laughs) So that doesn't shock me. It's like other scary things like demonic possession. Those demonic things like, I hate you, dad. You suck. (laughs) It's like, damn kids. As they do. I learned and... it from you, Dad. I learned it from you. <laughs> Blake, you were reading my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So the kids were talking to invisible people. When all of these things happened to the kids claims later on that they had no recollection of what had transpired. But there's more as well. Shadow figures. I mean, how could you have something like this without having shadow figures? And uh, oil dripping from the blinds yeah, of the yeah. house, which is, you know, just kind of makes me think of uh, your Catholic icons, which well, comes well, into play a little later as well. Um, terrifying. The fact that they can't remember any of this really, to me, makes me feel like uh, when I ask our seven-year-old to take his dishes to the sink and he can't remember that I mm-hmm. said that two minutes later. Um so, and then yeah. when you ask again and, and again. again and again, <laughs> and he can't remember. So I, I think that demons really uh, are moving freely through our children. Maybe it's not so uncommon after all. But there was even more activity, flickering lights and lots of people taking photographs of ghosts and EVPs that were captured in the house. There was one particularly compelling one in which a demon said, hey, so walk up to her and be like, hey. No, 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 no. Like, hey. Hey. <laughs> no. Hey. 
Hey. <laughs> you sure you my nephew, man? No, it wasn't that cheery, no. Yeah, it was really, really frightening because it was kind of like, hey. <laughs> it was yeah, an unassuming demonic hey. <laughs> so even more activity, objects would fly around the house, so we're starting to get into more of the poltergeist, noisy ghost-style activity, doors slamming, footsteps in the basement, which I've already mentioned, but uh, a lot of things that were taking place in the basement. Weird things were found down there, items from the house, so things were apporting, moving around the house. Underwear was found in the basement too, and a painted fingernail, most strangely of all. Wow. Like which? like a plastic one or like a real one? Well, we don't know, you I know, guess. They never, it, it was, we, they, we no, they said know. it was like a press-on nail. Like a Lee press-on nail, yeah. A press-on yeah. nail, okay. There you go. I don't know why I said specifically so, the brand Lee. I, when I was growing up, Lee press-on nails ran a lot of commercials around the same time as the kids' cartoons. So. Hey, that's all there oh. was. Yeah. Aquanet yeah. and <laughs> Lee press-on nails. That's all you needed for the 80s. So Prince Adams keeps his hair all tidy in Eternia. That's <laughs> exactly. There you go. Uh, I mean, yes, we have heard of uh, a lot of these kinds of uh, claims before, but it, the, I mean, this really tr- truly seems to have everything it, in this particular it story. It's very impressive. And I guess here's, here's part of the problem that I have with it, not even about whether it's real or not. It's just this. There is a really sad and tragic aspect to this because you've got a family undergoing what they feel like is supernatural uh, oppression, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's tough. On the other hand, you've got uh, the man that uh, Joel McHale would call Scooby Douche, Zach Bagans, getting in on this and cashing in on this. And oh, I don't have any empathy. I, 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 I just, you know, he's. Uh, derision worthy, I think is. And, I mean, he may be a fine person in real life, but I, I think that his path of of financially exploiting the supernatural beliefs of others is questionable. Uh, questionable. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, I don't have any problem mocking him. So, I'm I'm trying to like. I know that sometimes listeners are like, "Man, they seem very dismissive of all this stuff." And you know, it's like, but when a person goes on TV and is basically a supernatural themed clown. You know, it's really hard for me to take them seriously, bro. He really comes in at the end of this story, though, because, you know, he makes this documentary, drama, whatever you want to call it. But he really comes in towards the end to, to I guess, cash in on things. Exactly. I, I just wanted to apologize for all my snickering, I, basically. that that It's his presence that makes this silly to me. Cool. Yes. Well, I mean, that's, that's how you watch Ghost Adventures is it, it's a comedy. Yeah. With popcorn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With popcorn, yeah, it is a comedy, <laughs> and the, you and you, you have to be ready for that when it comes to him. You can't take him seriously, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you know Bill Burr goes on a a ghost hunt. Um, yes, you know yeah. he's he's just a comedian, <laughs> you know. That's so, true. so so I I don't I, again I just I I just wanted to throw that in there now I know we'll get to it but the uh, mm-hmm. it's as I I just I find myself laughing I'm like wait a minute what if they think I'm laughing at this poor family that's going through all this crap you know that's not what I'm laughing at I'm laughing at the ridiculous nonsense that that comes out the far end of this tube so <laughs> so let's get back to the press the the, the heart of it there's I'm a sorry. running vein well, of that I think throughout mm-hmm. yeah but, and uh, thanks for bringing that home Blake I mean I think it's very important to highlight but 
But at the same time, we need to also be looking for signs of convenient fraud. Mm, mm-hmm. Not 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 necessarily pious fraud. That's a the, different. The, there thing. are a lot of agents within this story who benefit if supernatural is real. That's a fact. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I still feel like you guys are just jumping to the end, and I think no! we should talk a bit more about the. <laughs> we want to thank you guys for joining us in the show. Um, Check us out on Patreon. <laughs> So sorry, Karen has done so much work on this, and we are just driving all over her work. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Barreling through to the end. No, no worries. <laughs> but I think we should talk a bit more about what makes this case different yes. according to a lot of the discussion around this time. People were saying, well, look, this is different. This is unlike other cases, other uh, claims, because this activity was witnessed by as I mentioned earlier, people in a position of authority, so police officers mm-hmm. and medical staff and uh, people from Child Protection Services. So in particular, there's one fellow by the name of Charles Austin. So he's a police officer from the, uh, the, the local police department. And he was very heavily involved in this case and very involved too in, the, in Zach Baggins' uh, uh, documentary. And so he he really became intertwined with this this case. And also a family doctor, too. Uh, And this doctor came in at the early stages and uh, witnessed some of the activity that was taking place. I think things like uh, the part of the the levitation and children being thrown across the the kids being thrown across the room. And uh, so the this doctor actually committed these kids to mm. uh, a psychiatric hospital for uh, a short stay and but you just had these differing perspectives on what was taking place you had this charles austin who was convinced that uh, ghosts were were in the house and demons were in the house and it seemed to me like he was really bringing a lot of his own personal beliefs into the case uh, from the get-go whereas mm-hmm. the doctor was a, a lot more skeptical and was thinking that something was going on in, in the, the household. Uh, so child protection services were brought in. Namely, there was a woman um, by the name of uh, Valerie Washington, and she was the, the case manager for this particular uh, incident. And she witnessed the little boy climbing backwards uh, against the wall and doing his somersault or whatever it was that, that he did. And she was so frightened that she refused to continue with the case. So she now says that uh, she appears in Zach's uh, documentary and says that she's now undergoing therapy herself. And it was pretty distressing to see her talk about this because she was talking about her other work with Child Protection Services and real cases of abuse and violence. And, uh, I mean, I guess we should have a content warning here, but cases of children being killed by their parents and family members and so it was just really upsetting to me to see how she bought into this particular case when it seems to me that there are clear-cut reasons for what's going on natural explanations and yet day to day she's dealing with these horrific real life cases of abuse and violence watching that with you was was definitely rough uh and it made me think you know, a kind of the, one of those uh, uh, the questions of, well, what's the harm? Uh, well, it's right there because uh, they, you know, th- this case took somebody out of her field of expertise in a sense. 
that she'll never go mm-hmm. back to because she, I mean, her job was helping people and she got so entangled, you know, uh, emotionally and psychologically with this that, uh, you know, you know, she's one less person out there helping people. Mm-hmm. But there were other people, there was a new case manager who was brought in as well. And it seems as though everyone who was involved believed that they'd become cursed by being in the house, merely being in the house, that as a result, they suffered illnesses or accidents or some kind of misfortune. So there were just a lot of people claiming that they'd been affected by these incidents and really bolstering the claims. So uh, I think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that uh, the, these people really brought their own beliefs into the case. Well, um, yeah. But it just seemed to, seemed to a lot of people on the outside that this made the case more real. Well, that, that we've talked before about haunting as a syndrome, that once you've decided that what you're having going on is a haunting, then every little weird thing becomes part of it. And it, that, so you, mm-hmm. there's no necessarily root cause, but ultimately, once you say, oh, it's a haunting, then literally every weird coincidence, everything that gets knocked over, everything unusual can be explained away with yeah, that big, to it's that. a haunting, you know? And so it sounds like yeah. everybody on this case had baggage, man. Like they all had their own beliefs and were bringing them in. And so you've got all kinds of stuff and any little thing, mm-hmm. whether it's being yes. perpetrated as a hoax or just misinterpreted. It's that there's a, it, that whole, this was a toxic atmosphere for, for rational, you know, distance investigation. Oh, absolutely. A real, uh, mishmash of, of different beliefs and claims. But anyway, so they decide with all of these ha- things happening, what are they going to do about it? They need to somehow get rid of these entities in the house. So there were a number of people who were involved and all of these people are unnamed. So we just hear that churches told them to clean the house with bleach and ammonia. So I don't know what churches would advise that, but there were several unnamed clairvoyants who claimed the place was the, the reverends evil. Proctor and Gamble uh, told them what <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. church of the dirty sponge. <laughs> but uh, one of these clairvoyants said that the place contained 200 demons. So that's where that particular name comes from. But they had some unnamed psychics who cleansed the house and none of these things worked. Ultimately they brought a priest into the house or Catholic priest and he performed a number of exorcisms. So his name was Father Michael Maginot? Uh, yes, oh. that is correct. So he was at St. Stephen's or St. Stephen Martyr Parish in Merrillville, Indiana. And so he says that he put a crucifix on Latoya and that she began to convulse. And so this is his quote. I realized that she had an aversion to holy things. You are possessed, I told her. She looked embarrassed and said, I know. So he claimed that Latoya was possessed by Beelzebub, and he performed mm-hmm. several minor and several major exorcisms on her, and then declared that she was free of possession. And I thought that that was strange because the whole story is that the kids are the ones who are possessed. Yeah. Do we need to kind of discuss uh, uh, just who Beelzebub is? I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, if you'd like to, you do well, the honors. Well, you know, the thing is, is, is it depends on who you ask. Beelzebub is either one of those major generals in hell or he is the devil himself because he is 
known by many names. And the, the thing is, is why would you do a minor exorcism on a major demon? It does seem a little weird. It's like, I believe, yeah. <laughs> I believe he hadn't been given permission at the time to perform an exorcism at all and that he didn't need permission to perform a minor exorcism. And that's why he went and proceeded with that and then had to, because that didn't work, he had to uh, take it up a notch and to get permission yeah. to do the major exorcisms. It's weird but, to me, though, that like uh, so many people get these celebrity demons. Like, you know, right. I mean, the, if you consider like the number yeah. of demons that they're supposed to be, she's got 200 in the kitchen, you know. And I'll right. be honest, you know, as a skeptic, if you if you ask me, would you rather have two hundred demons in your kitchen or two hundred cockroaches? I'm going to say demons. Yeah, <laughs> so. well, that that is a good point, though. I mean, you know, if you look through the lists of of other demons, no one ever seems to be possessed by President Amy. Yeah, I was She's just going to say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no one's right. got a lot of fear She's of President favorite. Amy. She's the president. Yeah. They should. In my my horrible demonic library that'll get my house burned down if my neighbors find out about it. The um, I've got the the false hierarchy of demons book, which is one of those famous books with illustrations of demons and little descriptions. It's kind of like a a monster manual for demons from uh from when people were pretty seriously believing in them, and I guess they are still believing in them. But you know, there's lots of other yeah. demons besides the the ones you get straight out of the Bible. I mean, the, right. there's yeah. all this uh additional lore there's you know the apocrypha there's other you know there's jewish writings there's christian writings there's all kinds of other demons listed and then you get people like uh, bob larson bob larson he's always pulling demons that are based on generic sin like the demon of hate and the demon of envy and it's like and mm -hmm. i mean between the two i'd rather go with the cool medieval names but whatever you know well he's non-denominational so that's, that's why <laughs> yeah but uh yeah they really do rehash the the famous demons yeah for sure it, it, but, i think if i remember correctly some people think that that may actually be a sort of bastardization of uh or corruption of of baal the the god baal yes right right and, and i don't even I, I i've spent a lot of time reading about this and it all kind of blends together but it seems like baal itself might also it's one of those questions of is baal a demon or is baal like a category of demons you know what i mean or a category of of other gods you know so sounds like you're going over a speed bump when you say his name. Baal. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's bad for me. I'm thinking. Yeah, well, I think that uh, Beelzebub was probably best uh, portrayed um, by Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters in um, The Pick of Destiny. So if you haven't seen it, uh, there's another based on a true story we can look into. Now, that's uh, is that Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny? Yes. Okay. Right. And that D is for demon. Is that right? Uh, actually, it's defense. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it could be that so, too. Yep, defense so against the demon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, Consciousness, Philosophy, UFOs, Ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. So we're in a situation now where Latoya has been freed of these demons and the family moved to Indianapolis in 2012 and lived happily ever thereafter. Is that true? So, no, no. Oh, so this, I think there's still a lot more to unpack with this because a lot had happened within that time frame because that, that's how it seems. The story that, that we have read or heard about is that this activity starts and they go through uh, all of these different ways of trying to, to cure this or solve this, and then the family move, and that's the end of it. But there was a lot more that was going on behind the scenes during that time, and it really seems like that was a very dysfunctional household. Yes, it and does. So what we're not told is that during that period where she was undergoing all of these exorcisms, her children were actually in foster care. So they'd been taken away from her, and it seems to me as though she was very motivated to try to do something to give the appearance that she was stable again and back on track, that she could get her children back, which she she did achieve. But uh, they had been taken away from her. So she wasn't sending them to school, and she was blaming demons for making them sick and saying that the demons were keeping the kids up all night so that they couldn't sleep and therefore they couldn't go to school the next day. And apparently there had been, and this is quote, a previous DCS history regarding educational neglect and with psychologists coming in and believing that the kids were performing for their mother uh, and the family doctor also uh, agreed with that uh, observation, said that the family was suffering from delusions and hallucinations he was the one who'd ordered the kids the kids to go to a hospital for a period and uh, to be under psychiatric observation. So there were just lots of things going on uh, in the household at that time. Can we unpack that a little bit? The, you know, we talked before a little bit about fully adieu, which is when you have two people in a relationship where one is sort of a dominant and has a delusion and the other one sort of takes on mm -hmm. that delusion as part of the relationship. And right. I, that's specifically about two people, but when you have a matriarch in a family situation who is mm -hmm. supernaturally inclined, believes in the supernatural, it's mm -hmm. really tempting as a child to try to live up to that, you know, to partake in that reality. Um, mm -hmm. I, this is not, 
hypoth- I mean, like I just know, like I know growing up with a super religious mom, she wanted us to see miracles. She wanted us to see angels. She wanted us to experience the supernatural and to be special, right. you know, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. Cause when, when you're a kid, you don't, are we pretending? Is this real? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, am I, should I be afraid? Should I make yes. something up? You know, like, am I rewarded mm-hmm. if I do make something up? You know, so oh. I, yeah, yes. there's a, there's a lot of family and psychological pressure there. It's just it's just a lot. Yes, yeah, and Latoya apparently was very religious. She was very superstitious as well, and that uh, the a lot of people who were coming through the house saw Bibles and shrines around the house, and a number of psychologists who'd come through had interviewed the children and concluded that the children were acting deceptively and in accordance with their mother's beliefs. That was a quote. And uh, a psychologist named Tracy Wright noted that the oldest son acted possessed, sorry, the youngest son acted possessed whenever he was challenged or asked questions that he didn't want to answer. So they were really role playing, playing along with the mother. Uh, and yeah, as you say, that's just a really difficult situation to put children into. They don't know how to act and uh, it's very destabilizing. It is and scary and you know and and i mean if you just think about all the behavioral problems that were going on and now you're adding in demonology to it and and then you have these authority figures from the church and from the you know law enforcement police officers participating yeah. in that narrative like what does that tell mm-hmm. you as a kid like if people are taking it seriously you know, Adults are taking it seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, and I, it's like, are these kids just acting out? Or are they doing something supernatural? And it feels to me like, well, you know what? I'm going to stop asking that question. Let's keep going. Sorry, <laughs> I'll let <laughs> no it that way. out. So, <laughs> so also the uh, the the landlord Charles Reed, he says that Ammons wasn't paying her rent, and that she was using the demonic possession as an excuse to not pay her rent to be behind on on paying. And he said that he'd never experienced anything in the house. He hadn't had any previous tenants experience anything and future tenants didn't experience anything too. So that really reminds me of another case that we're going to have to delve into at some point soon, which is the Humpty Doo poltergeist in Northern Territory in in Australia. (laughs) Yes, going back to the 1990s and uh, a very similar thing was taking place there, but we'll get more into that when we we discuss it. Uh, Big fan. I don't know, Matt, did you want to talk about some of the phenomena before we talk about Zach and uh, kind of where things currently stand? Uh, I know that you've had a lot of thoughts about the kid walking backwards up the walls mm-hmm. and the levitation and other activity. Well, you know, I, I first kind of want to start off with this whole idea of this is different. This case is different. Um, so someone levitates like in Enfield Poltergeist or The Exorcist. Uh, people are they're thrown across the room like the Enfield Poltergeist. Um, mm. There's, you know, uh, just all, all these things, you know, oh, no, things are witnessed by other people like the Enfield Poltergeist. Um, you know, you can tack on Humpty Doo to a whole bunch of these. Uh, yep. It's not different. It's a it, it's a Dagwood sandwich. 
the toppings yeah. are the same. <laughs> like, but they're just all crammed into one sandwich. They, they, exactly, exactly. I'm seeing, you know, Amityville. I'm seeing, you know, uh, things, you know, that we had mentioned before. It's just there's a whole mm-hmm. lot of whole lot of things. Flickering lights. That's a fun one. Um, we were in one place uh, doing an investigation where we found out that if you stepped on a particular floorboard, a light would flicker. You know, that means there's an electrical problem, not a demon. There yeah. was a cold spot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's always a cold spot near the refrigerator. Uh, I don't know. The the whole thing, there's just a, a, a lot of this. This is not different from anything else. Showing up on the news is not different from any mm-hmm. of these other ones. You know, it it's... It's the same. But yeah, let's talk about this amazing feat because one thing with demonic possession is there should have been amazing feats of strength. So we'll, we'll talk <laughs> about going up the wall because his feats were strong in this. Um, <laughs> but but uh, no, nobody was speaking a language out of the ordinary except for the demon who went, hey. That's that out of the ordinary for a demon. Troll, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but there, there just there wasn't n- n- nobody fell into this thing and started speaking different languages. Nobody came forth with information that wasn't known. You know, mm. uh, there was none of the normal things you Pretty would see in, in in an exorcism. So why the hell did he get permission to? Yeah. Do any exorcism well, here? Did he get? Did he get permission though? Because it seems like he has since he did, he did fallen but, out of favor. Oh, with he, the church. yes, yes, yes. Uh, recently, the uh, parish of Gary, um, which somehow just sounds kind of strange, the parish of Gary <laughs> um, has uh, put out a statement that this father is not allowed to do exorcisms so do not come to him for your exorcism because he is not allowed and they made it very public that he is not allowed so that's interesting what did he do you know so yeah back to the the kid going up the wall latoya herself she said that he ran facing the wall up the wall and did a a backflip the report said that the grandmother was holding his hand while he went up the wall backwards and then did a backflip over her, uh, well, a front flip rather over her. So those are two very different things. They are. Um, mm-hmm. Both of them. One's a wrestling move. One's a Jimmy Cagney dance move. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that and that's you, you. You're nailing it there, Blake. Yeah, both of these are absolutely uh, possible. Possible. You know, and I've just seen because, both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the thing, all you have to do is hop onto YouTube and look up parkour and you're going to see these moves all over the place done by kids in their backyard. Or look up Mm -hmm. Peter parkour and you'll get that. Hey, (laughs) Spider-Man reference. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, And you'll also uh, spider ham. Um, Peter Porker. Uh, He's different. Uh, Okay. So back on track here. Um, So, I also heard that it was the nine-year-old that did did it. No, it was the seven-year-old who did it. It was could have been the eleven-year-old who, who who did it. You know, because official things are saying that it was the nine-year-old, but the mother was saying it was the seven-year-old. Um, 
different versions of the story. The seven and the elevens are both prime suspects. Moving on. The kid's eyes rolling back into his head. Surely oh, you can't I, explain that. Except for Surely. like half the kids in the playground. Yeah, how could they do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was when I was, you know, any of these ages. I was either a fan of the rock group Kiss, or I was a fan of the movie The Exorcist. So I knew how to roll my eyes back in my head. It was not very hard. And I also knew the reaction my mother had when I did it in front of her. Yeah. So she got it a lot. And, you know, I I took the two things that she hated the most. And that's when I would go, mommy, mommy. (laughs) She hated that. And she hated when I rolled my eyes back in my head. So I would do them both at the same time. And she want to strangle me. Um, So there's also (laughs) claims of strangulation in this story. Yep. Choking. So I'm not I'm not finding this surprising at all. Well, what about the oil dripping from the blinds? I know you wanted to touch upon that. I want to scream. Okay, so (laughs) we've got LaToya, who is, uh, you know, she was told, you know, to clean the house with bleach and ammonia and, you know, all this kind of stuff by um, Father Clean. Um, (laughs) And, you know, it's just she was getting all this definite uh, disparate advice but one of the pieces of advice that she got was to make crucifixes of oil. I don't even know if it was olive oil. You know, it should have been, but uh, to put it on uh, the blinds. And I guess because of the fact that that's where they took that one uh, iPhone ghost picture um, where it puts oh, the there ghost are lots in of for those. you. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, where where they took that picture of the ghost in the front window. Um, So she was basically told that, you know, in every place where there's a window or a door, put olive oil, you know, in the the shape of a cross. So. Mm -hmm. And then that suddenly becomes a a claim. Well, yeah, they come in later and there's "There's oil on these things and it's not coming from any source. It's not dripping from the ceiling. Um, (laughs) No, it's not because she put it on with her finger. Did you look to see if it was dripping from her finger? I liked your authentic Indiana accent. That was East Coast (laughs) New York. Uh, No, I turned into like an old, you know, 49er, you know, minor there for a minute. But uh, um, it it is just it's very frustrating because. Oil doesn't necessarily, say, evaporate and dry up as quickly as water. It does not. So they looked and they saw that there was oil on the blinds, like two weeks after, you know, oil had been put on the blinds. So Mm -hmm. they wiped it off. And we all know how well oil wipes right off. Mm -hmm. And they went away for 20 minutes and came back and there was oil on the blinds. Oh, it was very, yeah, very exaggerated, uh, the claims of uh, how much oil there was and uh-huh. references, too, to the Catholic Church and weeping icons, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it seemed like are, you, it, it, are you saying this is all a bunch of viscous lies? <laughs> <laughs> very thick with lies. Uh, but uh, it does seem like there were a lot of ulterior motives taking place. Yes. It seems like a lot of people have benefited from this story, including... Uh, Latoya, uh, the the cop Charles Austin, he's just if you go and watch uh, Zach's documentary or if you go and watch any of the news stories, he is so into this story. He's really passionate about it. He really clearly believes, and he's uh, he claimed to he said to the Indianapolis Star that he and this is a quote said he he well 
not a quote from the journalist, that he said he expected notoriety and figured a movie would come of this. So not terribly professional. And the priest as well signed with a company to turn the tale into a movie. And again, he features very heavily in Zach's documentary. He is just all over this, which accounts for why he's been, I, I don't know if he's actually been booted out of his job or if he has, uh, they just won't allow him to do exorcisms so, anymore, but he's he's does, uh, making hay while the sun shines. Yeah, does does he have, I guess he has talking parts in the movie. Oh, in yeah. the documentary? Yeah, yeah. So oh, th- those would be his oh, Maginot yes. lines. Oh. <laughs> I felt like that was a setup, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, I never see him coming. I never well, see I, him if I didn't say Maginot lines sometime, I, I'm sure was, we would get complaints. Every so, time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, paranormal expert Zach Baggins, Baggins, Bagans, however you want to pronounce it, of Ghost Adventures. So he ends up buying the house in 2014 for $35,000. So there was a tenant who uh, took over from the Ammons. And they got booted out so that Zach could take possession of the house. And so we will discuss this a lot more in the next notes, the demon house. Uh, yeah. But his findings. So it's all, it's a, almost a different story. I mean, he yep. does touch upon the so, early claims, but then he he makes a lot of new claims himself. And like, for example, suddenly there was hair gel on the blinds instead of oil. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least, Cam and Diaz thought it was uh, hair gel. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh. Uh, so then, uh, spoiler alert: he demolishes the house in 2016. And so, my theory on why he demolishes it—it, it, I mean, he claims that it's to get rid of the evil, but he uh, takes some of the soil from the house and a number of other things and adds that to his museum because. Anyone who's anyone in the paranormal nowadays has got their own museum and collects things. It does seem to be a pretty clever play for how to turn your uh, paranormal hoarding into a a revenue stream, you know. Well, the Warrens did it. Yeah, yeah. And so lots of other people have followed suit. But I think that the reason he demolished the house is because there were a number of other claimants to the house and to the story. So even though he purchased the house, other people had gotten to Latoya first to purchase the rights to the story. Ooh. So I think he was kind of taking his toys and and going home by demolishing the place. You can't have it because Netflix have announced that they'll be making a movie about the events and they made a $65 million bid for that. So lots of people trying to take possession of the possession, I guess. Yeah. Now, Nicely said. Uh, I, I do want to say, you know, for those of our audience who have watched uh, any British TV, um, there's a great show called Father Ted. There's an episode where somebody paid somebody off to get away with something. We'll put it that way. Now, the, 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 well, you the said people, it was about priests. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not right. <laughs> the, uh, the, the people that were paid off, though, however, had never had money before. So suddenly they're riding around on bicycles with fur coats and, you know, <laughs> things like that. They're just ridiculous. And yeah. uh, you can kind of see when Latoya has been paid off. Ah, that's interesting. Because she suddenly a bit she's of a transformation. Yeah, she's riding a bicycle with a fur coat now. Um, 
and it's yeah. well, look, look, that, that suspicious. It's very play. suspicious. That, that comes into play because Gary, Indiana, was once named the most miserable city in the United States, according mm. to Business Insider, and has previously been named the murder capital of the United States. So, yeah, they, it's a very impoverished town. They're really trying to uh, to to improve things and to, uh, I guess, like Detroit, Michigan, other parts of the country where they're trying to gentrify. They're doing their best, but it it is a an impoverished town, and I think it's really ripe for these kinds of things. Uh, just lots of dysfunction, lots of poverty, lots of people trying to crawl out of these kinds of things. And uh, it's sad because the only thing I know about Gary Indiana is the Demon House and the song from the Music Man, and that's and then I'm out. <laughs> and that it's the most miserable city in the United States. I can add that now to the list. Yes, murder capital. I think, yeah, Time magazine had named them that. So I do think there are lots of natural explanations for the phenomena that supposedly occurred in this house. And we will go into this a lot more based on a true story to to look at this different angle uh, involving Zach and the the Demon House documentary. Yeah. Drama. It just seems like an incredible concentration of people with strong supernatural beliefs ran into someone who, who was unapologetically <laughs> making supernatural claims. And, mm-hmm. you know, that it, I would love to investigate an active poltergeist type case or a demon case, but it they don't call the doubting people very often. They usually call psychics and religious figures, yeah. people who were going to maybe give them a method to fight this stuff, but definitely believe them. Well, I will yeah. say that uh, Matt and I and also Joe Nickel tried to get involved at the time that this was all emerging, and they really did not want to have anything to do with skeptics, I any bet. of the players, except for people who were affected by this, like the, the landlord. Right. Uh, but everyone else was really uh, kind of closing ranks. Yeah. Joe, Joe thought it was an owl. Signing up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that took me a second. That's funny. So it was uh, really a tale that was uh, usurped by believers and people who were wanting this to be true. And um, the the story continues into our next... Debased on a true story. Which I think we've uncovered. Matt and I have already watched the show. Okay. And uh, I think we've uncovered something interesting about part of it that just doesn't add up. Yeah. And really i think busts part of the the claim cool wide yeah open exclusive exclusive i like that tease (laughs) (laughs) i would like to like have a little summary like so what do you what do we think i mean like i obviously i'm very skeptical about all this but like what's what's your thoughts like what what do you think yeah the 200 demons what what, (laughs) 200 Ah, uh, not not even one. No. Zero demons. Zero demons. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking I, no more than three. I do have a lot of empathy for players in this story, especially the kids. Yes. I, I do feel like uh, they were victims in this, and uh, I do feel that there were other people who were involved, like the, the caseworker and psychologists and the, the doctor, who really tried to, to help and were ousted from this story. And that there are people like the priest and the, the cop 
who are believers and who have invested a lot into this and are now profiting from this story. And uh, unfortunately, Latoya herself and her mother, and uh, I worry for the future of the kids. Yeah. I I have to say, I mean, we've seen patterns of this before. And once you've got a movie, a documentary, or more than one documentary about this sort of thing, you will be haunted by this story for the rest of your life because oh yes and netflix is about to make it worse i mean think about the infield you know it's like like even now Mm. those girls are being Mm -hmm. you know you know drug out of their you know 50 something you know lives and pulled back to television i mean no matter what yes generations affected by that yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. you know and some trying to cash, yes, some trying yes. to just stay, just some trying to put it behind them, and it's just, you know, it's going to be. The, you, they're never going to be rid of this story. They're never going to be rid of this story. Oh yeah, absolutely life changing. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I was going to ask Matt, did, was there anything else that we've oh. forgotten that you want to add? Well, I just really want to say that uh, when we do the debased on a true story with the Demon House mockumentary. Um, uh, we're going to be, you're going to be seeing a lot more research that's, that we've done. Yeah. We just feel like there's so much we can't even get into here. Uh, and it's going to be great because it's going to be visual. You know, you're going to be, able, we're going to be able to show uh, where things are out of whack. You know, so I think it's going to be great. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You just heard our podcast coverage of the Demon House case of Gary, Indiana. We'll be taking a look at the documentary by Zach Bagans in an upcoming installment of our YouTube video series, Debased on a True Story. So check that out either at monstertalk.org or at our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash monstertalk. You can enjoy extended commercial-free versions of this show by joining us at patreon.com forward slash monstertalk. All one word, M-O-N-S-T-E-R-T-A-L-K. For as little as $2 a month, you can enjoy longer interviews, unbleeped language, and bonus episodes exclusive for patrons. And if $2 a month is not workable for you, but you still want to help out, be sure and leave us a positive review on your podcasting platform of choice. iTunes reviews in particular can help bring in new listeners and your positive reviews really make a difference. If you want to learn other ways to help out, visit monstertalk.org forward slash support, where you can find even more ways to help keep this show going. Thank you to all of you who are supporting us with your hard-earned money and valuable time. We are humbled and grateful and hope that we always live up to or even exceed your expectations. Monster Talk's theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Thank you so much for listening.
This has been a Monster House presentation. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.